everyone doing? There we are. Now we're alive. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's good to be with everybody again this morning. Happy New Year's, almost Eve. Eve, I don't know where we're at now. Happy New Year's Eve. That's it. There we go. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. And I don't want to spend a ton of time here this morning working on just a, a long sermon message, but this is more of like a short devotional. To, well, I mean, I say short, but when are Jay and I ever up here and it's short, but, um, <laughs> but I want to just zone in on what I feel like God has put on my heart for us as a church as we close 2023 and enter into 2024. And, but just before I do that, let me just pause for a moment, and uh, I just want to pray. So would you just join me right now? Lord, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have been faithful to us, even in those moments where we definitely have not been faithful to you. Lord, as this year comes to a close, we just pray for this time now that you would use me as your servant to preach your words and not my own. Father, help us. Give us the Holy Spirit again and again to have the ears to hear, the eyes to see, a mind to understand exactly what you want us to hear as we close this year. And so, Lord, we give this time up to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Dave Raymer already asked, he already talked about New Year's resolutions, which clearly nobody here does. Um, what about word of the year? Does anybody do that? The word of the year? Like you have a, you, I see that hand back there, Rachel. Anybody else? Word of the year 2023? No? Okay. Well, I guess I'm alone up here. It's just Rachel and I. It's all good. But I like to do the word of the year personally. And my word of the year for this coming year is, is the word awareness. It's awareness. And as I was praying through what that meant to me and how God would use that in my own life, it's, it's this idea of the prayer to make me aware, Lord, where you are in the given moment, where you are in the present moment. We can become so distracted by what we're doing, where we're going, our schedules, that sometimes we need to practice stillness, practice awareness of just being in the moment and asking God to reveal himself where he is in those moments. And so for my heart, for us as a church, is that as we move forward into the next year, that we'll become more aware of where God is working. Because he did some powerful work in our church this year, and to him all the glory for that. But when God shows up in power, through his glory and through his presence, when he shows up, what is our response to that? What's our response when God moves in a powerful way? And so as we look into that more, I want to take a look at just briefly a story of where Jesus Christ's power and glory showed up in a powerful way. And that is the story of the transfiguration. So if you have Bibles on, you open up to Matthew chapter 17. We look at the first eight verses. And as you're flipping there, just to give you a little bit of context of what's going on here, tons going on leading up to this. So we see the apostle Peter himself just proclaimed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So he's Jesus is asking, who do they say that I am? And then he asks, okay, well, who do you say that I am? And then the apostle Peter says, you are Jesus. You are the Son of God, the Christ. And so Jesus is now indicated after that, that he says to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Now we know as Christians that it's not our job to build the church. That's God's job. That's Jesus' job. And that's his promise. He says, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a promise of Jesus. And it's interesting because we always look at the, the Apostle Peter and his boldness proclaims Christ as Savior. Then in the very next session, Jesus actually has to rebuke Peter because he's talking about this idea that he has to go to Jerusalem and he has to be 
killed and raised on the third day? Peter says, no, not you, Lord. And then Jesus' own remark to that is, get behind me, Satan. What a powerful statement out of God, the Son. And so we get to this passage of transfiguration, which is about almost one week later, where Jesus is actually transfigured. He's transformed before the three disciples that calls. The same three disciples he calls also in the garden on his last moments, his most trying moments. So anyways, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell, f f f yeah, they fell f f f face down, and, and they were terrified on the ground. But Jesus came and touched them. He said, Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. This is a powerful, a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ on earth, but a beautiful picture of heaven and earth colliding. When Jesus was transfigured, he was glorified. This paints a beautiful picture of what's to come when he comes back on the last day. And so verse 1, he calls the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, and took them up a mountain. And Luke's recording of this actually says they went up to a mountain to pray. And verse 2 says he was transfigured. The Greek word for transfigured is metamorpho, which if you know that word, it means to be changed, to be transformed, but it also means to be sanctified. So Paul uses that term in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, it says do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's the same word. And then it says... And then Matthew takes the time to describe Jesus' physical features. It says his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. In Mark's account of this, he says his clothes became a dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. In Luke's account of this, it says his appearance of his face changed and his clothes like a flash of lightning. This is the beauty and the radiance of God. And this points back to Moses' own account in Exodus chapter 34 when he comes down from Mount Sinai and his face shines so brightly they've got to put a veil on it because Moses had a deep level of encounter with God. What a picture here, my friends. Jesus revealed in glory. This is a picture of what's to come. We talk about him coming back, but do we understand what that's going to look like? This just paints a beautiful picture of that. When Jesus comes back, he brings us to his eternal kingdom. The pain, the suffering of this world, gone. And we get to be with the, the risen Christ face to face. Is that not a day we look forward to? And then in the book of Revelation, it talks about that because of the bright light of Christ, there will be no need for a sun or moon. And in verse 3, it talks about this idea of this passage that Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus. Well, well why does that matter? 
Because Moses himself was the greatest lawgiver. He was the one that the Lord gave the Ten Commandments to, and, and the Jews to this day see him as the greatest lawgiver. And Elijah is the greatest prophet to ever live. So what is this saying? That Jesus is the, fu- is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. This is why Jesus is standing there with them. Now, if you're reading this as a Jew, back in New Testament Israel, this would be a hard text to grasp. Because a lot of the Orthodox Jews of the day would see Moses as the highest power, like the highest prophet. No one's greater than Moses. But also, if you read the book of Malachi, you'll see that Elijah's still supposed to come back. So they're still waiting for Elijah. But this idea of this beautiful picture indicates, again, that Jesus is greater than Moses. He's greater than Elijah. And that he fulfills these prophecies. He fulfills the laws. But verse 4 always catches me and always makes me laugh a bit. Because Peter's standing there. He's like, oh, Lord, it's great, that I'm, it's great that we're here. It's great that I'm here. Let me build you some tents so we can stay. Peter, man, he, he is a man of action half the time. If, if, if you read the Gospels continually, you'll see how this guy acts. It's quite interesting. But in that moment where Peter wants to act, there's also a moment where you just need to stop, to be still, a time for contemplation, for wonder and and adoration, and just divine reverence for who's standing right in front of you, for whose presence you're actually in. I know my responses when I'm in presence of God or I'm at work, I just want to keep, Lord, I just want to keep doing the things, keep doing the things. But one of the things that I feel God is asking us to do in 2024, a bit more of, I know for myself, and maybe you're the same way, is be still. Practice stillness. Stay in his presence. Even if you're not exactly, even if you're not exactly acting or just doing anything, but staying in his presence. Asking God to lead the agenda of your prayer time. This will call contemplation. Dwelling on the presence of God. Dwelling on his attributes. And so Peter wanted to create these these tents, these tabernacles. But I think in those moments, Peter just needed to be still, to gaze upon what's happening. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And Psalm 46, I've already alluded to this. He says, Be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is my heart for us. And moving into the next year, my friends, that when glory and power through the presence of God shows up in our midst, what will our response be to that? We be still. We take the time to acknowledge who is in front of us. We sit before him and just admire the beauty and the radiance of the transfigured, of the resurrected, of the ascended Jesus. There's going to be seasons in our church moving forward where God's going to move powerfully. Harvests are going to be ripe for picking. And we get to partner with him in that work. He's already been doing that this year. But he's going to continue that next year as well. But when he moves in power, are we willing to pause to take those moments to just be still? Because our lives are so busy. We're filled to the brim at all times. We struggle to find the availability to do this. But we need to take moments to behold our God, and to be held by our God. And still in verse 4, again, Peter making these t- 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 making these t- 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 
tents and the booths. And it's, it's also this powerful idea that he didn't want to leave the mountain. Like, I'm looking at this passage, and I'm like, of course he wants to build them, because he's seeing something incredible. He's seeing something that the other nine disciples never got to see. So he makes these tents, and he, and he just did not want to go down the mountain. But that isn't just not going down the mountain. It's not wanting to go down the mountain to, to the everyday common things of life. He wanted to stay in that radiance, stay in that glory, and for us, we're gonna, we may have moments of such deep level of encounter with God. We may have such moments where we are just so mesmerized by his presence, where we're just in that moment of prayer. We're like, God, I don't want to leave. And those are not bad. But this is the thing, my friends. Jesus Christ himself did not stay on that mountain. In the other verses, verse 10, 11, he actually walks, he actually walks towards the cross. He descends the mountain and goes to the cross. And we as Christians are called to pick up our crosses and carry them. The Mount of Transfiguration is given to us to provide strength and hope for the daily walk that we have with Christ in the way of the cross. Yes, we'll have those powerful moments. And yes, we'll want to stay there. But God also calls us to pick up our crosses and follow him. Matthew chapter 16, just one chapter before this one. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their crosses, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus' own mission was not to stay on that place. It was to pay the perfect price. He lived, he died, he rose from the dead, and he conquered sin and death so that we may share in that glory. That Jesus Christ, yes, he died, but he's here now. He's with us. His presence dwells with us. We are the temple. We are the church. The Holy Spirit lives in us. That is a message that I need to keep hearing every day of my life. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not just me that's the church. It's us who is the church. And we know Jesus' own relationship with his bride. One bride, one bridegroom. And he gave his life for the bride. This is a God that we worship, my friends. This is a God we continue to worship in 2024. One who sacrificed. Because Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that even though Jesus was God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself as a servant. And taking the form of a servant, he died upon the cross. Not because he had to. But because he loves his bride. And he restored us to relationship with the Father. Verse 5, the literal glory of God the Father from the bright cloud that covers disciples. The phrase, we hear it in Jesus' own baptism. This is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is a beautiful, beautiful image of the Father's own love and his approval over the Son's mission. It always mind-boggles me how much the Father loves the Son. How much the, the triune God of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelling together in unity. Because in Genesis it says, let us make man in our image. There's already a level of community between the Trinity that's so beautiful. And every time we enter into that space, into that presence, we get to engage with that. 
The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Holy Spirit, all three of them, all equally God. And the disciples' response to this was terror and fear. (laughs) When the presence shone and God the Father spoke, they were terrified. They were terrified. My friends, when God speaks to us and when God shows up in our midst, are we terrified? Are we, are we afraid? I know there's moments where I have been, but then Jesus speaks to the disciples and says, do not be afraid, get up. It's just him standing there. My friends, it's the same for us. Do not need to be afraid when God moves in our midst. Because there's powerful moments where he's going to do that. But it won't always be as blatantly obvious as we want it to be. Sometimes it's like the prophet Elijah. That's still small voice. Maybe it's not exactly tongue to fire, but it's in the everyday mundane of life. You're working nine to five, and you just have a prompting of the Holy Spirit. And other times, it's in a powerful, supernatural way we cannot ignore. But a word of caution for us. I, I listened to a podcast the other day, and I heard the guy say this. Do not replicate yesterday's mana. Don't replicate yesterday's mana which basically means just because the Lord moves in a powerful way yesterday doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it the same way today. But the idea is to, is to have the posture of awareness that's open and praying and watchful for how it's going to move, even if it's not super obvious. Because like Jesus is talking about in John chapter 3, the Spirit's like the wind that moves where it wants to, moves where he wants to. So when the Lord shows up, there's three specific areas I want to just look at really quickly where the Lord shows up. First is this, the miraculous. The miraculous. We know God performed miracles. Hearts change. People are saved. We had nine baptisms in the last week. What a miraculous move of God. Healing. I've, I've been able to have the privilege of seeing somebody become healed from a disease in a supernatural way that the doctors don't even know. God does this stuff. Freedom from sin. I walk with people that have been so enslaved to sin for years and years, and just seeing the way God frees them from that. That is a supernatural, miraculous work of the Lord. So there, and I was also tuning into the video, I was tuning into a video the other day where in light of the transfiguration, a Jewish man born in New York had a supernatural encounter with God in Israel on the actual mount supposedly where this happened. He was in a cult. He was completely not religious. And then God called him to go to Israel on his honeymoon with his wife. And then he took a, a car up to the mount. And he said that he saw this image. He saw this vision. And this voice came to him and just came into his space and hugged him and said, I love you. Will you follow me? And then immediately after that, he gave his life to the Lord and started following him. A Jew brought back to his Messiah. There's some powerful, miraculous work. So it's the miraculous, but there's also the mundane. Maybe, you know, as I said, maybe you're working your nine-to-five job. Maybe you're just pugging away at home. I don't know what it is, but maybe there just isn't anything supernatural that you're aware of going on. But then all of a sudden you get this tug on your heart. You're supposed to pray for someone. Or maybe there's a conversation that you're having with a coworker and doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And then all of a sudden they start to just open up about their life. You're just at work. But all of a sudden, God moves. He gives you the opportunities to engage. 
There's the miraculous, the mundane, and I hate this one, but the unfair. God, how come you healed this person, but you won't heal me? God, how come this person got a promotion when I've been working here for 25 years and never got it? I love The Chosen. And I'm not going to spoil the last season uh, before season four comes out, but there's a, there's a scene of James. They call him Little James, but essentially he's standing there with Jesus, and he's got a bit of a, a, bit of a cripple, if you will, or he's got this, I don't know, he has to walk with a stick. I don't know what the exact thing he's got going on is, but he's standing there with Jesus, and Jesus tells him, I've given you the power to heal. And then James speaks up and says, you've given me this power, but you haven't healed me. And it's a powerful moment where Jesus and little James come together and Jesus speaks into his life. Because, my friends, Jesus Christ himself, he died as an innocent man. That, that quote-unquote isn't fair. He was tried for a crime he didn't commit. But he died as an innocent man. So there's the miraculous, the mundane, and the unfair. So when God, through his glory and through his power, and his presence shows up in our midst, what will our response be to that? Will it be terror? Will it be excitement? Will it be a posture of awareness? As we enter 2024, God is, I believe God is going to do some miraculous work in this church. I believe that he's going to do some work in the mundane. And I believe at times myself specifically will have a heart posture that is, that is envious and unfair that he's not doing it in my life. But God is still good. He still forgives us. He still walks with us. He's patient with us. What will our posture be? And so as I close right now, I just want to have a little bit of time in prayer around these things, just specifically around listening. And so what I want us to do in this moment is just to take a few moments or, or, or take a few deep breaths. Zone in on, what, zone in on that, whatever's going on around you, whether it's distractions, and just become aware of God's presence right now. So just take some deep breaths where you're at. Doesn't matter who's around you, just between you and the Lord. And in your own way, just invite the Spirit to speak to you right now. Just open yourself up to Him. As the Lectio 365 said in the beginning, ask the Lord to calm your distracted senses and bring them back on His presence. while you're in that moment right now, would you ask the Spirit this question? Make me aware of a specific area that you revealed your glory and power in my life through the miraculous this year. Don't, don't try to create something. Just allow the Lord to lead you.
as you're still in that space, now ask the Spirit to reveal to you a specific area He revealed His glory to you through the mundane. Where not a lot of action was happening. Where it might have been that still, small voice that you weren't aware of originally. Where life was just quote-unquote normal. Where was God in that moment? Ask Jesus to show you where his presence was. What was he doing? What was he saying? What was his posture? through his power and his glory when you felt things were unfair. No guilt, no shame around this between you and God. This leads to a moment of confession, asking him for forgiveness, and do that. We worship a God who forgives. It's, it's been atoned for on the cross. But allow Jesus to lead you to one of those moments in, the, in this past year where you saw something in someone else where there was something that somebody else received maybe you didn't and that you felt it was unfair just allow a moment of just deep encounter between you and Jesus right now in that moment side note, weird does not necessarily mean it's not from God. It could be anything. God can speak in so many different ways. But just lay your whole 2024 in front of him and lay the 2023 behind you and lay at the cross and walk forward with Christ in the 2024 and just ask him to speak to you about the year ahead.
Lord Jesus, we, as your children, thank you again for your for the for the cross that you descended from the Mount of Transfiguration, that you received the approval of the Father for your mission to restore creation, to restore us to our Creator, that we may have peace with you, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would have a deeper level of encounter with you moving forward into 2024 that we would become, as the song says, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the, the glory and the, the radiance of your beauty. God, we pray that you'll move powerfully in our midst, that you will do works that are, that are 100% miraculous, that, that we just know that you're the one that's doing it that our hearts will tremble with awe and reverence for who you are and what you're doing in our midst. And help us to continue to be aware of where you're at work in our lives, even if it's mundane. And God, when there's times where we just think it's unfair that you're not doing things in our lives or not seemingly to do things in our lives, but we're seeing it in others, would you, would you convict us? Would you remind us that as you said in John 21, what is it to you? You follow me. The same thing you told Peter in John 21 is the same thing you're telling us. That you have us on a path. Help us to bring others into our discipleship again and again. That when you show up in your glory and power in this church and in our lives, we'll be ready. And we'll be aware. And we'll know that it's you who gave himself for the church that you are our bridegroom and we are your bride. So thank you, Lord, that you have given your life for the church, that you are, that you are continuing to build the church and that you invite us in to play a part as your body. We worship you, Jesus, our true senior pastor. Lead us as the good shepherd that you are. Help us to be aware of your voice. We thank you for what you're doing, for what you continue to do this year. And as we close it off, we close it off in the best way, in deep communion with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I was just reading this morning, Luke chapter 10, very common verse, he says in verse 2, and he told them, the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his field. It's amazing, a few verses later, the disciples actually become the answer to this prayer. So as we pray for the Lord to send workers out, God will probably use us to, to fulfill that mission. But are we ready? Because my friends, this church is moving into a season of harvest. The, the fields are ripe for picking. Are you willing to play a part with God in that? Anyways, God bless you. Happy New Year, and we'll see you, Lord willing, in 2024.